Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. Well, what's up, Hope? How are we? Good. Good to see you guys. Welcome to those of you joining us online uh, in North Carolina, South Carolina, California, New Jersey, Florida, other countries. In fact, if you're watching right now, type where you're watching from. That's always fun to see. And welcome to those of you who are joining us at one of our physical campuses, whether that's Apex or Morrisville or Garner or Raleigh. And welcome to those of you in the room right now. A special welcome to those of you if this is your first weekend joining with us. Uh, you're like our honored guest. We're so excited that you chose to spend a portion of your week with with us, and you picked an amazing weekend to uh, join us because we are starting a brand new sermon series that we call House of Cards, The Illusion of the Perfect Family. Uh, we did this last year. You guys liked it so much, and so we decided to bring it back. And yes, the illusionist Danny Ray is going to be with us every single week to blow our minds. Uh, and this is a season for every single one of us. Uh, whether you're single, whether you're dating, uh, whether you're divorced, whether you're widowed, uh, whether you're married, whether you have kids, whether you're empty nesters, every single one of us has family relationships. And these are some of the most important relationships in our lives. And because they're so important, these relationships are often the most difficult to navigate. And to make matters worse, now we live in an age of social media where it looks like everyone else has a perfect family. Uh, you look online and you see the couple that just started dating and you're like, look, they're soulmates. They found it their first try. They're looking at each other with googly eyes like they're so in love. Or you see, uh, the, you see the, the newly married couple and they're going on long romantic walks and, and dinners every single night. You're like, why can't my marriage be that way? Or you're, you say, she is the perfect parent. He is the perfect dad. But actually, when you pull the curtains back, uh, you will figure out real quick that those pictures online, they don't tell the whole story. That's oftentimes just an illusion. Uh, most of us listening right now have at least one family relationship that is falling apart. And if not, our families are often like a house of cards that are ready to fall over as soon as the winds of struggle begin to blow. And what we want you to see over the next few weeks is that it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, Hope Community Church here, we believe in the family. And we believe that a large part of what God has called us to do is to walk alongside of and encourage and equip families to not just survive, but also thrive. And we believe that God has given us incredible truths and principles in his word for all of these different types of family relationships that if we will embrace them, and apply them, uh, we will set a firm and amazing foundation to start our families on. And, and it's, it, these truths will also help us to pick up the pieces of maybe a broken family and put them back together in a new and a better way. And so during this series, we're going to be talking about marriage. Uh, we're going to be talking about sex. We're going to devote a whole week to husbands. Uh, we're going to devote a whole week to wives. We're going to be talking about parenting. And this week, we are going to be talking about the confusing topic of dating, where it all begins. Uh, so 
So I would say probably around a third of our congregation is on the dating scene, whether you're divorced and you're trying to get back out there and figure out what is this Tinder stuff all about, or maybe uh, you're looking for your first spouse, you're dating for your first marriage. Uh, some of you husbands and wives has forgotten, oh yeah, I should probably date my spouse. Uh, and then a lot of you parents have kids that are around that dating age, and we need God's wisdom on this topic. This can be so confusing because our world gives us tons of advice every single day, which usually runs counter to God's advice. And so this week, we want to look to God's word and see what he has to say about this important topic. And because it is so important, I have asked a good friend of mine, Aaron Nelson, uh, to share with us what God's word has to say about dating. Uh, if you don't know Aaron, he's a coworker. He's on the student ministry team at the Apex campus. And I didn't just ask him to teach about this topic because he's been on the dating scene more recently than me, although that's true, uh, but also because he loves Jesus, um, and he loves God's word, uh, and he loves our church, and God's given him a talent for unpacking God's word and making it come alive. And so uh, I've seen him share the love of Jesus with his neighbors. I've seen him pour into students every single week. I've seen him uh, unpack God's word to our staff. He's taught us through books of the Bible, and I've seen him uh, pour into our young adult, uh, adult crowd. So um, today, he's going to be sharing with us on the topic of dating. Really, I would listen uh, to whatever he has to say on any topic in the Bible. I would learn from his wisdom uh, but today, he's going to be uh, walking us through what God has to say about dating. So, online, at all of our campuses, in the room right now, would you give a warm hope welcome to Aaron Nelson. Uh, how are we doing, Hope? Yes, I love it, love it. Uh, well, yeah, so as, as Chase mentioned, I am not super far removed from this dating season of life. Uh, I'm happy to celebrate that a little over a year ago I met, well, I didn't meet her then, but I married uh, the love of my life, Morgan. Uh, and we've been married for a little over a year now. We got married in August of 2020, which if you're doing the math, yes, it was a COVID wedding, which sounds miserable. This is actually the best party we've ever thrown because it costs like $25 and two Burger King coupons. Like we could pull off the cheapest wedding that I've ever seen. We see friends now who are getting married and we're like, man, you, you should have cut down that guest list. We're like, we didn't even feed people at our wedding. Like you didn't feed people? I said, no, because COVID. And they're like, oh, you're so brave. Thank y'all so much for, for still pushing through and fighting for love. And we're like, yeah, it's great. And we still have money uh, to, to celebrate that. And so uh, I remember... Planning a wedding during COVID was extremely complicated, and it was a little messy, but it was nowhere near as complicated and messy as the season of dating was that came before that, right? Because dating, it comes with so many different questions. For example, when do I know that I'm ready to date? Who do I date? How do I date? And that last one, it got completely flipped upside down come 2020 uh, because now you're single and ready to mingle. You're ready to go out and meet some people, but the entire world has shut down. So, so how am I supposed to meet people? I mean, I've, I've heard about Bumble. I've, I've heard about OkCupid, but I've also heard they don't have the best reputation. So even as a, as a Christ follower, as a Christian, is it even okay for me to use those platforms to try and meet someone? And I, I, while I think all of these questions are valid, I think the most important question that we need to ask is what's the point? What, let's just strip away all the cosmetic stuff. Let's strip away some of those questions. And let's just ask, what is the point of this season in our lives? And this is the thing that I want you to know, because this is kind of where our entire conversation today is going to hinge on this idea. You ready? Dating is a period of evaluation. 
It's a period of evaluation. That's what it is, right? And so I don't know if you've ever had an, an evaluation done before, but normally there's some sort of rubric. Right? Maybe you've had a work evaluation done or something at school or something in some sort of performance that you've been a part of. Uh, but usually there's some sort of rubric. And, and the reason why we're talking about this in church today is because I firmly believe with everything inside of me that if you say yes to following Jesus or if you're considering saying yes to following Jesus, you are also opting in to allowing the life of Jesus and the word of God to become the rubric by which you live the rest of your life. It becomes the standard for how we choose to live. So whenever I walk into any aspect of my life, I say, what does Jesus say about this? What does the word of God say about this? And then how do I live my life accordingly? That is, that is what we're all about. Now, the scary part of this is that uh, if you were to open up your Bible app right now and search the word dating, just do like a keyword search, you'll probably get tons of devotionals. You'll probably get tons of videos giving advice on the topic. But the word dating itself, you're not going to find it anywhere in scripture. It's just not there. It's not there. And so what we have to do is we kind of have to use some of our context clues. And the problem with that is, 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 is when you look at couples who are in that stage of their relationship, it seems more of like a guide of how not to date. I mean, the entire book starts off with a dude falling asleep and a woman takes his rib, right? Like this is, this is not what you're looking for in a spouse. You move a little bit further, you get Samson and Delilah. He falls asleep, she cuts his hair, he gets his eyes gouged out. A little aggressive, not my approach. <laughs> David and Bathsheba, he's like, I like that one. She's married, kill that guy, right? It's a little heavy. Even Jesus, who is at the center of our faith, even Jesus' parents had a slightly wonky period of courtship, right? Fellas, if any of y'all come to me and you're like, yeah, my girlfriend's pregnant and the Holy Spirit's the baby, we're gonna have to have a hard heart. There are some conversations that become a little messy even when you look at the scripture, but there is one book of the Bible that we're gonna take a look at today, uh, and that's Song of Solomon. And Song of Solomon includes stories about a couple and kind of this natural progression that they fall into. Now, if you're not super familiar with the Bible or even specifically Song of Solomon, or, or maybe your Bible calls it Song of Songs, uh, it's a doozy. There is some stuff in here that shouldn't be in the Bible. It just doesn't feel like it should be in the Bible, right? Let me just show you what I'm talking about. Song of Songs, chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. This is a guy talking to a woman. You ready? How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a skilled craftsman. Your navel is perfectly formed like a goblet filled with mixed wine. Between your thighs lies a mound of wheat bordered with lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. That's in here. That's like this book, this is actually the Bible. I'm not pulling a trick on you. I'm not Danny Ray. This is sitting on your grandma's nightstand right now. Think about that, right? So next time you wake up and you see her sitting at the dining room table reading her Bible, you might want to check to see what she's looking at. <laughs> but the reason why I want us to live here and actually think about this book and take a closer look at it is because through all the uncomfortable, hot, steamy, erotic stuff, what we actually find is that there is a beautiful picture being painted of God's design for intimacy between a man and a woman through the different stages of their relationship. And so as we look at this couple, we actually start to see a bit of a natural progression that takes, takes place, right? First, there is the initial interest in the pursuit of one another. 
right? You have the, the king, King Solomon, and, uh, and the young woman is what she's called. This is her character in the story. So you see those two, they're initially interested in one another, they pursue one another, and then they go to the wedding day, and then they go to the wedding night, hey, and then they reach the first season of marriage. And all of this is a beautiful picture of God's design, uh, but in that first little window, in the pursuit and the desire for them to get to know one another, there's a progression that takes place there as well. So I want to walk you through just a few verses from Song of Solomon uh, so that you can see uh, why um, or, or the kind of the dynamics of this couple, right? So the first one, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Uh, this is the woman speaking to the man. She says, kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How pleasing is your fragrance. Your name is like the spreading of fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women love you. Take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. So not only does she think homeboy looks good, he smells good, but she's like, I want to get a little bit closer to you, bro. She's like, I like your face. I hope you like my face. I would like to put my face on your face and do it again. That, like she is very, very straightforward. And then it moves a little bit further, right? Now she's like, I'm beyond just the initial attraction. I want to be where you are. Verse 1-7 says, tell me, my love, where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like a prostitute among your friends and flocks? She's like, look, I don't want to deal with those other busters. I want to be with you. So tell me where you're going to be. Guys, you might call this clingy. Ladies, it's biblical. It's totally okay. All right? Don't do that. It's weird. Nobody wants to be a part of that. The last thing that we see is that they're actually in a committed relationship with one another. And you see this in the way that they speak to one another in Solomon chapter 2. It says, like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. And then the, 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 the woman, she responds and says, like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other young men. I sit delightfully in his shade and taste his delicious fruit, right? So what we see is this natural progression. First, they say we're interested in one another. So then they pursue one another. And then finally, we see them in a committed relationship with one another that is God honoring in something that most of us crave but many of us don't get a chance to experience. And I think the reason for that is because, as I mentioned at the top of this, dating is a period of evaluation. And if you don't learn to evaluate the right things, you're going to fall into the same trap that it feels like the world often falls into, right? That the world and culture and society fall into. I just want to make a suggestion to you that if you are a follower of Jesus, that the world of dating, as with many other things, shouldn't be as messy and as complicated if you are using the Word of God as your guide to lead you through that relationship. So when we talk about dating as a season of evaluation, what are those things that we're evaluating? I want to pose three of them to you. The first one is the evaluation of character. You want to evaluate someone's character, right? I want to look back one more time at Song of Solomon 1.3. Uh, he says, uh, I'm sorry, she says to the young man, uh, uh, how pleasing is your fragrance. Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women love you. Now, what she says right there, when she says your name, what she's talking about is his character and his reputation. There's something about him that precedes himself that makes him attractive, not only to her, but to the people that are around her. And, and right now, the problem is, is that we live in a culture that overemphasizes the physical over the character. This is the reason why dating apps are so prevalent right now. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them, but what it does is it strips away the get to know someone phase and it just says, do I like the way you look and do I like the persona that you've built for yourself on here? 
And then what do we do? We swipe right on somebody, we match, and then we start showing friends. Oh, what do you think this guy's like? And then we start to develop their character for them instead of letting their character speak for itself. And so what we need to do is get past just the physical part and actually start uh, discovering, man, what's your heart like? What, what comes out of you when, when you're pressed down? What comes out of you when you're challenged, right? How do you, how do you talk to your mom? Like, that's a big deal, right? When someone, when someone cuts in front of you in traffic, what comes spilling out of your heart? Because that's your character. That's who you are. That's who God designed you to be. And so these are the things that we need to try to figure out. But let me tell you, this isn't just I'm looking for something wrong with this person because you're going to find it. They're a person. And I don't know if you've met a person before, but we're not the best. So what happens is you have to ask yourself, does this person's values and the things that they find most important, do they line up with my values and the things that I find most important? Now, where I want to be clear is that typically what happens, even in this evaluation phase, some people call it judgment, right? There's a difference between the two. But in this evaluation phase, we are very, very quick to judge them, not judge ourselves. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Uh, when I was a single Christian man, I was praying constantly for God to bring me a Proverbs 31 type woman. Like that is, that is what I wanted. I've seen the bumper stickers, looks 10 out of 10, right? Like I want that type of woman in my life. And so if you're not familiar, Proverbs 31, it describes her like this. It says that she is more precious than rubies. She's trustworthy. She brings her husband good and not harm. She's energetic, strong, a hard worker. She gets up early to make breakfast. I just lost some of you. But I wanted that so bad for me that I was praying constantly for God to give me that. So I, here I am on my knees praying for God to bring me a Proverbs 31 type woman while I was never concerned with becoming an Ephesians chapter 5 type of man. What I mean by that is Ephesians chapter 5 says that Christ, you are to love your wives the way that Christ loved the church. I wanted everything from her. I wanted her to be the person that, that I needed, the type of support system for me, the one who would carry me through thick and thin. But I wasn't worried about God cultivating humility inside of my heart. I wasn't, I wasn't focused on learning how to make someone else the object of my affection instead of just myself. I, I wasn't learning what does it look like for me to lay aside all the things that I want most for me in order to pursue someone else. I wasn't letting the Holy Spirit cultivate his fruit of the Spirit inside of my life. So I had to check myself. And I had to stop for a while. And I had to step away. And I said, you know what? I had to, I had to swallow that bitter pill that says, maybe I'm not ready to date. And I went into the season where I said, all right, I'm, I'm getting rid of the apps off my phone. I'm not doing that for a while. I'm, I'm going to spend less time on social media and spend more time inside of the Word of God. And it was during that season that I felt that God was truly building and cultivating things inside of my heart that, that I had never experienced with Him before. And it was through that process of pursuing Him that I ended up stumbling across my wife, Morgan. Uh, so Morgan and I, we met... Um, at the beginning of 2019, we were taking uh, a, a trip with our young adult ministry here. We met through the young adult ministry here at Hope, which I assume after that statement, we'll see like a 300% increase in attendance very soon. <laughs> Completely unrelated, I'm sure. Uh, so we took a trip to this conference and we get there and, and it's, it's great. It's awesome. In uh, some point at us hanging out, uh, I noticed Morgan. But what she noticed was the girl who was standing next to me most of the time. 
this was a friend of mine who just lived in the area, ended up meeting us at the same conference. She didn't know anybody there, so she was like, I'm just going to stick with Aaron because that's my friend or whatever, right? Now, I didn't realize, nor did I tell her, hey, you're kind of cramping my style here. And I didn't notice that it was even happening at first until I went and spoke to Morgan. I was like, hey, how are you doing? She's like, I'm fine. I smell all right now. Um, are you enjoying the conference? Yeah, it's fine. All right. On to the next girl. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> but I wasn't getting any play from her. So I'm like, okay, she, she's clearly not interested. Now, once everything got cleared up and she realized that Daniela and I weren't together, I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's what it was. See, I, I learned something about her character in that moment. I learned that she wasn't going to get involved with a guy who was already involved with someone else. And I was like, oh, you know, I respect that. She's not even going to entertain this. So everything gets cleared up, and I do what any self-respecting millennial does. I slide in the DMs. I send her a Facebook message, and I'm like, hey, I would love to hang out with you sometime. So we, we end up going to get dinner with one another. And it was a roller coaster ride, y'all. We, we go to get dinner, and we're sitting there, and she goes, yeah, coming out of that conference, I actually I just ended things with somebody. And I'm like, yes. And, uh, and I don't think I'm going to date for a while. Because I'm working on my relationship with Jesus. We're back in the game. Like, I knew this is it. Like, this is, it was stressful, and I'm not trying to let her read me or anything like that. But I was like, listen, okay, I respect that about her because it told me a lot about her character, that she would be willing to prioritize uh, uh, deepening her relationship with God than it was pursuing any other guy. So I said, okay, I can respect that. So we put, pumped the brakes for a while. Uh, we, we waited a little bit before we started dating, and then when we finally did, it was it was incredible. It was amazing uh, because I learned that she was becoming the type of woman that I needed and she knew I was becoming the type of man that she needed. And so, uh, you know, we wait a little while before we tell anybody. Um, we're a few weeks in. I think we, we hit a month and then we, we did it. We decided to go, go Facebook official. So that wasn't a joke. I don't know why you're laughing. It's a big deal. Um, so we decided to go Facebook official and we did it by sharing this photo. Um, with the world. Yeah, right? Look at those chicken nuggets. Um, that all reaction was not the initial reaction that we got. Um, believe it or not, we were actually met with, with a ton of pushback and a, a ton of opposition um, from people in my life who had never met her and people in her life who had never met me uh, simply because I'm black and she's white. And um, I remember at the time thinking, we've only been dating for a month. This is the first time she's ever had to deal with anything like this. I, I was a little used to it, but she's never had to think about this aspect of life ever. So she comes over for dinner that night and we're talking and she's just, she's kind of there. You could tell something was wrong. We finish eating, she goes back to her apartment. And a few minutes later she calls me and she says, um, well, she doesn't say anything. She, she can't get anything through the tears. And so I just say, you know what, I'm coming over. So I get in my car. Uh, I'm driving to, to go and see her. And the entire time, all I'm thinking is, is this is it. Like, we're, we're only a month in, and she's dealing with this tension that she's never had to deal with before. There's no way she would ever want to try to put up with this. And so I get over to our apartment, and I just, I just kind of put my hand on her shoulder for a while, and she's still crying. And eventually she goes, what are we going to do? But it wasn't that, what are we going to do as if, are we going to break up or are we not? What she was saying is, is how do we navigate this thing together? And come to find out the thought of us breaking up never even crossed her mind. 
That was a month into us dating, but I knew from that moment that I was going to start making all the necessary adjustments to do my part to make sure that this was the woman that I was going to marry. Because she showed me a lot about herself. She showed me that she's the type of person that's willing to stand up for what she believes in. That she's not just willing to stand for herself, but for me, and more importantly, for us. And now, even a year into marriage, when the dishes pile up and the dog is a problem, <laughs> even through all of that, I can remember, listen, I, yes, I am extremely attracted physically to my wife, but even more importantly, I remember that moment and that character because, listen, that is the thing that you marry. There are plenty of people who feel stuck in marriages, and I guarantee you nobody's like, oh, I'm just stuck with his great looks. No, you're stuck with habits and characteristics and things that make them human. And so this is why we can't get hung up on the physical. We have to evaluate their character because while their attraction might get your attention, it's the character that keeps you around. This is, this is the biggest part of that evaluation process. The second thing that we see when we look back at our couple from, from Song of Solomon is, uh, is there's a new character that gets involved. You have the young woman, you have the king, but now there's this new voice that tends to speak up. And, and if, if you've been in a relationship for any period of time, this might be a familiar voice to you. It is her friends. <laughs> they all of a sudden have an opinion and they want to chime in. But look at their response here. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse 4 says, How happy we are for you, O king. We praise your love even more than wine. This is their cheering section. Right? These are her friends that come around her and they say, yes, I see the relationship that y'all are in. Y'all are crushing it. So proud of y'all. Keep going. And this is the thing that you need. So this is the second thing that I want to tell you. You need to allow other people to evaluate your relationship. You need to do it. This is so, so important uh, because another way I think of saying this is that you need accountability in your relationship. You need other Jesus-centered, God-fearing people who are willing to speak into your relationship with the type of things that maybe, hypothetically speaking, you're too ignorant to recognize yourself. Because that happens. When we're in relationships, we find ourselves blinded by love and, and we're so blinded by all these people's good qualities that sometimes we miss out on the blind spots. And I just think you need people in your life to kind of be the guardrails to help you navigate through that. For example, maybe you're seeing a guy and you have somebody who steps up and says, hey, look, when y'all first started dating, this dude was really cool. He was, he was pulling out chairs. He was opening the door for you. He really seemed to treat you as a priority. And lately, he just seems lazy. Like, it seems like he's kind of losing interest. Maybe he's getting a little too comfortable. Listen, I'm not trying to throw shade on him, but, but have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that this is an area that maybe you need to work on? Maybe, guys, for you, uh, you, you have somebody come to me and say, hey, listen, I, I know that you met so-and-so at church, but ever since y'all started dating, I've been seeing you less and less around church, and I just want to make sure that, that you're not letting, that you're not prioritizing her over your relationship with God. I just, I just want to, I ju I'm not here to impose. I just want to help. And if you do that in a loving and kind way, let me tell you, people want to and need to hear that. So if that's you, if you're in a relationship right now and you feel like you don't have people around you, I want to encourage you, invite them in. It's okay to have a second set of eyes that tell you what you need to hear. Proverbs puts it this way. It says that wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. You need people who's going to hurt your feelings sometimes because they genuinely care about you. 
Now, on the flip side of this, some of you in here, you're on the other side of the spectrum. Maybe your role in the story is that you are the friends. And I just want to say, if you can do it lovingly and respectfully, speak up. They need, I know there's parents in here right now who are like, you hear that? I've been trying to tell you. No, listen. Lovingly and respectfully, speak up. I, w- I was talking to someone not too long ago, and she said, uh, she's like, yeah, me and this guy, we just broke up. And, um, and when we did, all of my friends were like, oh, thank God. We're so glad you're not with that dude anymore. He was so rude. He was so inconsiderate. He didn't brush his teeth, like all this stuff. And she was like, where were y'all at two weeks ago? And you know where they were? They were in her comment section on Instagram saying, y'all are so cute together. I'm so jealous of y'all. I can't wait to see your babies. And she's like, no, listen, I didn't, I didn't need that. See, what she needed was affirmation because she was already starting to feel some of these things in her own life. But she thought, what are my friends going to think if we end things? And she was wondering, well, what is my reputation going to look like if we end up breaking up? Listen, sometimes your voice can be the affirmation that some people need from God. I want to encourage you that if you have people in and around your life, go ahead and speak up. If you are in a relationship and you are looking for these people, uh, if you're a young adult, there is amazing young adult ministry with people who are in the same age and stage of life as you are right now. And I just want to, just for a second, I want to brag because I truly do feel that our young adult ministry here at Hope uh, is full of people um, who are just passionate and on fire. Sometimes ministries go through phases where it's like, look, we just, we all are work in progress and not knocking that. that, That's a good thing as well. But right now it feels like our young adult ministry is so passionate and on fire for Jesus that if you're looking for a community to welcome you and your boyfriend and your girlfriend with, with not both of them, just one or the other, uh, (laughs) with loving arms, then I just encourage you to check them out. If you're, if you know, if, 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 if that word young has slowly started to fade away from its rightful place in front of adult, right, but you're still in that stage of dating, I just, I, I encourage you, find a small group leader. Find another married couple here in Hope who you admire and say, hey, listen, can you just speak into this area of my life? I'm, I'm searching and, and, and maybe I've done this in the past and, and things were messy. I just, I need you to speak into this a little bit more for me. The last but most important voice you need to allow to speak into your relationship is God. You've got to let God evaluate your relationship. The last, uh, the last progression of, of this couple from Song of Solomon that we see is they're committed with one another, right? And they drop some fire on each other, okay? Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. This is the guy talking to the girl. He says, like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. Guys, put that in your back pocket now. And then she responds, like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other young men. They only have eyes for one another. There's plenty of fish in the sea, but you're the only fish I see. Hey, right there. (laughs) They're clear about their intentions for one another. And maybe that's you. Maybe you found that person in and y'all are clear about your intentions. You're like, man, I, I, I like this person. I, I even love this person. But, but I still want to know, you know, maybe I'm new to this whole Christianity thing. I still want to know, how, how does our relationship change? How should our relationship look now if we have God involved? What is the next best thing for us as a couple? And I just, I want to hinge it right here. This is, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. When you date, 
just like everything else in life, date for the glory of God. Let everything go through that filter. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says that, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That little part in there that says whatever you do, it includes the way that you date. What's that saying? It says live in accordance with the things that Jesus has already told you and the way that he's told you he wants you to live. One of the most beautiful things that I love about Jesus' teaching is that Jesus teaches us that the way we treat others is an act of worship to God. And I don't know what happens, but it feels like when we start dating someone, in our brains, the rules change. Because y'all have gone to Chipotle together a couple of times, now it feels like, oh, well, that person's not my brother or sister in Christ. Well, they're, they're, they're kind of mine, and so I can do with them whatever I want to do. And that's not the case. You see, the way that you date should be a clear-cut act of worship towards God. And so, so what does that look like? What does it look like to date in a way that honors God? Well, first of all, it means that you are not doing anything to become an obstacle or a hurdle between that person and their relationship with him. It means you're still pointing and pushing them in the right direction. But most importantly, it means that as a couple, you take your relationship, just like everything else in life, and you present it to God. You say, God, I am allowing you to put this under the microscope. And I'm allowing you to point out anything in this relationship that offends you. And let me tell you, he's probably going to find something. I was at small group this past week, and I heard someone explain or describe relationship this way. It's a broken person and a broken person coming together in a fallen world. Does that sound like a recipe for disaster to you? Yeah. You're like, God, what were you thinking? What he was thinking was, is that if we can take two people who are so intrinsically different, like a man and a woman, and put them together, and they can, can coincide with one another, they can coexist with one another, that that brings me glory. And that's what God wants for your relationships. He wants for the two of you to come together, the, the best use you can possibly be because you've spent time with him, and actually echo his goodness and his greatness throughout the world. You gotta take your relationship and you gotta put it under the microscope. Now, a few things are gonna happen. Either God is gonna look at that relationship and, uh, and there's a chance, there's legitimately a chance. I don't want you to think this is an impossibility. There's a chance that God looks at you and he smiles. And he says, I'm so proud. Y'all have been doing things well. You've kept me at the center of your relationship. You're focused on the right things. And God celebrates you. And if that's you, you celebrate you too. Be happy about that. Take joy in that. Find, find pleasure in the fact that you're doing things the way that God has designed you to do it. And, and my hope for you is that one day when you stand at the altar, that you can, excuse me, that you can look back and say, God, our season of dating was one that genuinely brought glory to your name. For others of you, you're going to let God take a look at, that, at your relationship under the microscope, and he's going to say, hey, you need to work on some stuff. You have to make some changes. When you, when you look at this rubric, when you look at the, 
the standard for which he calls us to live. There, there are things in our lives that don't always match up. And, uh, and he calls us to turn and run towards him. Not slowly, not with hesitation, but passionately. Because God, I trust that your way to live is the absolute best way for me to live. So you make the necessary adjustments. God, I'm letting you evaluate things. This is what you said. I'm going to live obediently. A friend of mine puts it this way. He says, what extreme measures do you have to take to live into God's plan for your life? Maybe you're in this season of dating right now, and, and the two of you, you're sleeping together. And you're starting to realize that this isn't God's best for you. Turn to him. I want to I challenge you. I want to give you a, a bit of a next step. First of all, stop now, because I know if you're anything like me, you're going to try to justify it in your head. And you're like, I've got two more weeks. No, listen, in two weeks when Chase teaches on sex, be back here. Just press pause until then. And then let the Holy Spirit speak clearly to you. Maybe you and, and the person that you're dating, you're living together. And you're slowly starting to realize that this isn't what God wants for you as a couple. Make the changes. Ah, oh, but that means I have to move back in with my parents. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it to pursue the things that God absolutely wants for you. Thirdly, you're, if you're in a relationship, I think there's a decent chance that for some of us, that you've prayed about this thing for a while, or maybe you've avoided praying because you sense that God may be wanting to tell you, I want you to end things. And that is so hard. I get it. It's tough. Because our natural instinct is to want to fix, right? We're like, but God, I can fix them. God, you give, you give me like three more weeks, I can change her. I promise. I want to tell this to you as lovingly as I absolutely know how. Are you ready for this? Listen, if God is calling you to end a relationship with someone, you trying to fix them now becomes disobedience. God would much rather you endure this short season of heartbreak than to be married to someone that he never approved of. And then finally, for those of you who are in here and you're like, I'm single, bro, and I am desperate. And I've been praying for a minute. Look, come find me after service. I will pray with you. Because it's a beautiful thing to be in a relationship with someone. But don't forsake the season that you're in right now. Don't neglect the fact that God wants to instill and work on something inside of your own character right now where you are. Think about it this way. God built you and designed you with a purpose, and he is not waiting for you to find another person to thrust you into significance. He says you matter right now. It might be a long season. It might be a short season for you. But embrace it. Turn your attention to the God who loves you, who loved you back, back when you thought boys had cooties, God was still loving you. Turn your attention back to your first love. Because it's not until you receive his love for you that you can start to pour out that love onto someone else. Y'all, let's be a church that dates well. As someone who works in family ministry, I firmly believe that if we're a church who dates well, then we develop healthy marriages, that then have healthy kids, and that's how we ensure 
a healthy church. It all starts with where you are right now and in the season of life that you're in. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. And we're thankful that, that you, you've designed us in such a way that you, you call us to be in relationship with one another. And God, some of those relationships are romantic and they feel great and, and we want to just go head first in, but, but, but maybe you're telling us just to, just to pump the brakes a little bit and just evaluate some things and to allow other people to evaluate and to let you evaluate. And God, my, my hope is that for anyone in here who is in that season of life who are asking these questions, who's asking what's the point, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would speak so loudly and so clearly to them that they know where their next step is. God, for any of us who maybe we're past that season, maybe we're married, help us to turn to see our brothers and sisters around us and ask, how can we bring them along? How can we point them to you in this season of their lives? Lord, the world is, is messy. And we see all the time the drama and the heartache and all these things that come out of relationships. And, and, and God, I, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die so that, so that for us, this experience is just, it's different. And we might not know what that difference looks like, but we ask you to show us. Help us to ask the tough questions. Lead us through the tough conversations. Because God, at the end of the day, all we want to do is bring glory to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.